Welcome to Podcast Them Down. I'm Tim Regan from U.S. power metal band Burning Shadows, Fade to Black Metallica tribute, dual violin folk metal band Eisenmore, and recently vacated Graves True Zombie Metal. Be sure to subscribe, like, or follow. And now, on with the show. All right, so I am uh, here again, or still here, or whatever, with Dave. The Spence Hammer, Spencer, from Burning Shadows, and Eisenmore, and uh, whatever else. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, we are talking about the... Whatever we're going to... Eisenmore mashup. Yes. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Do it again and we can edit it. No, no. I, the whole point was not to edit it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, uh, we are continuing to talk about the uh, Spotify playlist that uh, Dave has put together for the Burning Shadows artist page on Spotify. So go into your Spotify machine and type in Burning Shadows and find it. And then scroll down to the artist playlist and you're looking for Spence Hammer's selections. And before you do that, follow it. I mean, follow us. Don't follow the playlist. We're probably never going to... Not the playlist. Not me. Yeah, listen to it once, and then uh, go follow Burning Shadows, and then play that on loop. And Eisenmore while you're at it. (laughs) But anyway, the idea. Yeah. So uh, to review, the first half-ish of the playlist was uh, Blind Guardian, A Dark Passage from Nightfall Middle Earth, Opeth Wen from the Roundhouse Tapes, Symphony X, The Church of the Machine from the Twilight in Olympus Special Edition, Solifold. I'm not going to try to say either of the next two things, so you can go ahead and say it. Eucalyptus Triad. From the album. Oh, oh not on Livskunst. Ah, yes. All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Pro broadcasting tip. Clear your throat directly into the microphone. That's, that's what they all do. <laughs> At least that's what they do on WTOP. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> Oh, wait. Uh. There we go. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> so, moving on, what is the next track, Dave? So, the, we're going to be taking to the high seas with this one. Um, Rock and Rolf and his motley crew of pirates. I fucking hate motley crew. crew. I don't want to listen to motley. Oh. <laughs> Do you know? Motley Crew and Running Wild were separated by a scant few years on the true metal stage at Vakken Open Air. So, that's a fact. That's but wild. this anyway. one is Letter Gold, yet another remaster that I have to confess, I haven't actually listened to this remaster. It's, um, uh, once again, nothing jumps out. I mean, it's a remaster. Right. <laughs> you know? But Letter Gold, I, I just love... So there, there are a bunch of things I like about this song. It's a really just rollicking pirate tune about raiding ships. And it's got some wild English lyrics, courtesy of a German band that wasn't fully, you know, in line with mainstream American or British English. And it's endearing for that fact. Like, it's it's a wonderful little slice of... of German power metal history in that regard. And also, I just love the fact that they distilled the pirate experience down to three words. 
lead or gold. Like those are your two options. And when you're German, it sounds like you're saying little goat. Yes, that that is and, absolutely what I was going to bring up. My my friend Scotty, who hopefully will listen to this soon. Uh, Scotty Maxwell. Like I I own you know I had this album and I enjoy the whole album and then one day Scotty goes. Did you ever notice it sounds like they're saying little goat? And that was it. The song's ruined for me for the rest of time. Well, it's ruined. Been, it's been enhanced, maybe. Maybe that's better. There we go. It embiggened the potential of that song. Once you think they're singing about little goats pounding the waves on the rim of the sea. How, how little little goat. Well, it's a great yeah, and those lyrics are probably not right. Also, because I do make up lyrics in my head, I get every fifth word and then fill in the blanks. So this may be a subject, but seriously, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's that, that's all. I was I was going to give a quick shout out to Scotty because I also think of Scotty every time I listen to to Running Wild or fucking Storm Warrior. Those are the two big ones where Scotty's on my shoulder with those. He turned me on to Primal Fear. Before no. I knew who they were, he said, "Oh, what a guy!" He says they it was their newest album at the time. He says their newest album is about how mankind has to get into a metal eagle-shaped spaceship and find a new planet. And like, I was like, "Stop right uh, there! I'm sold." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went out and bought it, and uh, I've loved Primal Fear ever since. So you think to yourself, are they Americans getting into giant eagles and flying off into space? And he's like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember how exactly I discovered primal fear, but I was like. You know how as a six year old, you were aware that Metallica and Iron Maiden were a thing. But you weren't like fully aware of what they were. That's how I was with Primal Fear. I was like, man, Primal Fear is a thing. But, and then I think I got, oh, hell, Nuclear Fire. Great album. Yeah. Uh, Burning, That's, I, oh, you may yeah. or may not remember this, but Burning Shadows opened for Primal Fear on September 9th, 2009. Easy to remember, 999. One of my bitterest regrets. Yep. Anyway, it was a good show. not opening that show. Yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. (laughs) What y'all play? I don't know. Supernatural (laughs) Warfare? Let's see. So, we probably... Let's see, 2008 is when Into the Primordial, the first Burning Shadows album, came out. So, I'm I'm sure we just played... We probably had about a half hour, because it was Jax. So, we probably just played half... Of that album. So Supernatural Warfare, that's eight minutes right there. Probably yep. Second Sun, probably New Dawn Rise. Like, it, yeah. it's a pretty good bet. Because uh, the the next album didn't really gel until a couple years later. So Yeah, that's very true. So Man, that was a real treat. Gotta be honest, if we're gonna divert to Burning Shadows for a second, that was a real treat coming back from the circus. So... Again, anybody who cares about the Burning Shadows history. He is being literal. Being literal. Really the circus. The actual circus. uh, uh, Well, le vrai cirque, if you will. 
because it was Cirque du Soleil that I was working with. Uh-huh. I spent almost two years traveling the U.S. with Cirque du Soleil. Uh-huh. Well, come on. It's more of a le, le, le than a ha ha. Th- think the worst hockey night in Canada, fam. <laughs> or, excuse me, squad du hockey du Canada. So you were saying. Anyway, <laughs> Cirque du Soleil. I worked for Cirque du Soleil for about two years, and at this time, Burning Shadows was playing with Alex Rudinger, a phenomenal drummer to whom I cannot compare in any technical sense, um, and did wonders for us in terms of the performances he gave out. And at any rate, it was really nice to come back from that two years away with Alex going off to bigger and better things to come back to that album that you and Greg wrote, Gather Darkness, and just be able to slide into these, you know, not easy to play parts, but parts that fit my musical sensibilities and that I could just fully sit in the pocket with and groove on and play the kind of metal that I think we all, you know, at least the three of us at that point, the four of us had grown up listening to. And that that shared experience, I think, running wild to a huge degree plays into because the second portion of and Tim, you're going to have to help me with titles here, but second portion of part one, a thousand lies. Thank you. A thousand lies. If you're talking about the instrumental half, it's onward. I'm talking about my blatant ripoff of the privateer. You know, my four bars of drum fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's from The Privateer? Or inspired yeah. by The Privateer? Yeah, very, ins- very inspired. So that Go was- back and listen to the introduction to The Privateer and think about that and figure out what you're about to play when you're on stage. I, I didn't... Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, stole it thanks. Pretty <laughs> I didn't know that. You see, I'm glad, I'm glad we did Oh. I didn't know but, and, and, that, that was running wild inspired. I just thought it was a good oh, that part you're talking about is not in onward. It's prior to onward, by the way. It's prior to onward. A thousand lies. Yes. It's the like. Yeah, but it's, uh, I should. Anyway, uh, I, I don't want to uh, tip my hand too much, but uh, that song will no longer be divided into subjects. Oh. Uh, That's very exciting news. Yeah, and I'm just saying there's, you know, there's a significant anniversary for that album coming up. Oh, oh please don't. <laughs> so, but let's just one one last thing about sure. Letter Gold before we move on to Nocturnal Rights. Uh, Jurg Michael, what a fucking hero. The man has played on some of the most seminally important power metal albums ever. Like, the bulk of Running Wild's 90s catalog. He was the drummer for Stradivarius for uh, Infinite, among other albums. Wait, I didn't know that that either. So is he German or Finnish? He's German. He's German. Yeah, but Timo, uh, I'm not sure whether it was Tolkien or Coltapelto who was making the decisions at that point. But, like, you know, Jens Johansson is well musically connected. He did keys for Dio. He knows people. So if Stradivarius needed a drummer, I wouldn't be surprised that he and Jörg Michael would have hooked up because Jörg was a very professional dude in terms of like a session sense, right? Like you need kind of like Dan Zimmerman, you know, 10, 15 years before Dan Zimmerman, who played with uh, Gamma Ray, Freedom Call, um, 
others that I'm sure I'm forgetting, but you know, a stalwart in the drumming German power metal sphere. But you know, he played on the privateer. He played on letter gold. He played on all of my favorite running wild tunes and the majority of my favorite Stradivarius tunes. So shout out as it were to your Michael for, you know, giving me that imprint of how to fucking lay it down heavy and also with a solid syncopated groove. Awesome. Awesome. So onward, haha, to <laughs> the next track. I get it. Yeah. And Play it on me. Sticking with, sticking with syncopation, man. Again, and I'm going to need someone to do the research for me because I don't know his name, but the drummer who played on Nocturnal Rites' New World Messiah just slid right into the pocket and hit all of the offbeats and fun rhythmic things that you can do as a drummer. And I think Nightmare really showcases this. If you listen to this tune, listen to his ride cymbal work. It's never the same. It's always something slightly different, each iteration of the chorus or verse. And his ghost notes on the snare drum that just kind of propel the energy of that track forward without being, you know, your straight twos and fours. I love it. And I, I, I just, I think Nocturnal Rights hit it out of the park with this album. So the first couple of records that they did were kind of Hammerfall-esque, uh, like really early Swedish power metal, like super cheesy, but in a good way. And then they took kind of a turn after uh, New World Messiah to more, a more aggressive, like Primal Fear style, which no judgment is less of my thing than what they did on this record. So uh, the drummer for... Nocturnal Rights is... Oh, I just had it. Ove Lingval. Ove Lingval. Yes. And he's been their drummer since uh, 1998-ish. So right after the second album. Uh, is when he so that was what? Tales of Mystery and Imagination? Correct. So I guess my question for you on New World Messiah, or, or this song, how yeah. did you possibly pick one song off this album? Because... Like, every song is just, like, textbook, catchy power metal. Like, every like you listen to the yes. song, you know it by the end of the song, but not in a bad way. You know, not like a fucking Guns N' Roses song, where they just hit you with the chorus 600 times until you want to die. <laughs> but no, like, all the choruses are catchy. Every single song on this album is yeah. fantastic. So, so, is there anything about this song that is brings it above the others? Yeah, it's the intro guitar riff. The oh, don't I, it's just great. Don't I, sing I'm it sorry, so I'm not going to we'll sing get, again. We'll get uh, content matched. <laughs> so, uh, did you know, I didn't know this, there were music videos made for Awakening and Against the World. Against the World, I knew. I don't know if I saw Awakening. Yeah, well, like, both of the videos are the same. It's a bunch of blonde guys in some uh, small club. Industrial the warehouse. That's, that's, the whole, that's the whole video. But, you know, I was just surprised to learn that they actually made uh, videos. Yeah, they sure did. And in seriousness, it is the opening guitar riff that really does it for me in this song. I love it. 
I think it's a pretty good tune in terms of like the verse riffage, chord progression, and uh, you know, like general. You know how if you think of a song's chord progression as kind of like a stock chart, as it's you know either trending upwards or it's trending downwards. It's it's a constant uh, upward trend with nocturnal runs. Spike one, everyone does the uh, the Reddit thing. Yeah, no, Arturus goes straight to the moon. But but Nocturnal Rights manages to go with this endlessly positive upward trend in their chord progressions, and they do it with this song, Nightmare, and also with another song on the same album, uh, Break Away. If you listen to Break Away and Nightmare back-to-back, you start to think... You fucking lazy guys. You write the same song twice and change a little bit of the riff, and there you go. But hey, Nightmare has always been my favorite, largely because of the intro guitar riff and the incredibly intricate and, quite frankly, delicate ride cymbal notions that are going on in this song. I, I'm a sucker for a ride cymbal, especially when it's interplay between you know the shoulder and the bell. And Ove is just nailing it on this track particularly. So uh, I noticed this album was recorded at Tune Track Studios in Umeå, Sweden. Tune Tune Track Studios uh, is what they they made all the uh, the Superior drummer uh, drum, oh. drum sampling software and easy bass and easy mix. And all Wait that. a second. That's that's all well, out of Tune Track. It's the same. I want to know who recorded those samples now because I have to be honest with you. Ever since I heard that first like when when you played Superior Drummer for me the first time, the first thing I thought was Nocturnal Rights. There you go. I was like, well, yeah, because sure you did that like sequence thing, and it just made me think Nocturnal Rights drummer would have played this. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I bet I can uh, figure it out because the uh, the uh, when you use Superior Drummer, you like load in a drum kit, so you can load in anyone's kit. But but yeah, so it's the same studio. I thought that was cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So uh, and I we uh, I should really hold out for an endorsement, but I love Tune Track products, <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, but I always, I, have to, I always have to wait for a Black Friday sale <laughs> to make them affordable. <laughs> They're pretty expensive. Black Black Friday. I, it's, it's harder to say Black Friday as it Black is to say Friday. Black Metal. Because <laughs> metal has that T in it. So yeah. That, it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, that's what makes it evil when you say metal. So, all right. Next, you're gonna have to say this one because I, I keeping I'll, it Swedish. I'll just, I'll just butcher it. Keep it. I'm yeah, gonna also it. butcher the Swedish, but you know the Uderberget Elstabromer, which translates to like I have it. Primal oldest of thrones. Yeah, the bedrock, the eldest of thrones. That's bedrock. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, well, if you stare at oldest of Troner, you can you can see yeah. eldest of thrones in there. Isn't it? Can we get uh, Nicholas Schneider on the line, please? To That'll give be a us different the, uh, episode. We'll, we'll do a follow-up episode. Hey, we should all do like we should do a linguistic, the three of us, and just like 
talk about that. We're trying to it's get like, it. hey, you know what? You know what's interesting is like Berg means mountain in all of the northern languages. We're trying to get listeners. No. <laughs> so anyway. So, so anyway, this is a song that again is on an album that I bought when I was very new to listening to heavy metal and it influenced the direction that my attention went. And I bought this record, Tiltiels, which means to the mountains because of its cover. Like it was a snowy mountain with Vintersorg's folky looking logo and Tilthiel's with its umlauted A. And I'm like, oh, oh, this looks cool. Let me get this. And it blew my mind. It was a unique interpretation, at least to me. And I think if we look historically, fairly unique in terms of the style at the time. Interpretation of how you could play harsh black metal, but with really sweet, melodic, harmonically pleasant acoustic elements and folk instruments like the flute and, so to speak, folk instruments. Uh, I don't know whether on this record it was an actual flute or whether it was a synth, but knowing his proclivity for programming all of his drums and other instruments that he's not playing himself, I'm going to guess that it's a synth. Uh, it really kind of opened my awareness to this broader um, aesthetic of what heavy metal could be. So it was really, again, this is another album. Like, Tilfiel's is an album where there is no bad song for me. Like, this is Tilfiel's Master of Puppets, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. You and I can differ on that if you want. We will. But th that's what these albums are like for me. There's nothing bad on that album. There's no filler, no nothing. The intro track is amazing. Everything is great. But I picked this one in part because it's it's a 6-8 dirge to begin most of the song. And then, about two-thirds of the way through, Vintersorg, Mr. V, just screams the title of the song, and they kick it into a new tempo and different riff, and it's just so satisfying. I love tempo changes when they're executed well, and this one is just flawless. Nice. Yeah, uh, I looked up who who's on the album, and uh, it was probably a keyboard. <laughs> so. uh, like Andreas, who is it? Andreas Hedlund, and, and then who's the other guy? There, the, Matthias Marquardt. The additional personnel and staff are Varg Hare, keyboards and drum programming. So I guess he helped. Great. He helped out. And then Niels so, Johansson uh, on keyboards, and then Andreas Frank, lead guitar on a couple of the songs, and then Sia Headmark, female vocals on the yeah. songs with female vocals. So yeah, he's doing for him. She was on on that one. So I found it hard to look up information for this because they uh, Vintersorg released Till Fiel's Del 2. Del 2. Part 2. Part Much two. like this podcast. Right, exactly. So, um, so like, if you search for Till Fiel's, you get all, all the Part 2 stuff because it's newer and, you know, yeah. search engine optimization and all that. <laughs> so uh, Just use Encyclopedia Metallium, man. 
uh, shut up. But then, but then that opens it a can of worms if you start reading the uh, the reviews on there. Like, I don't know. You, you have to take those with a grain of salt. Here's a, here's a tip. What the fuck did you just say about this album? Right. If you're if you're gonna uh, base a decision on uh, whether to invest in an album, whether that's time or money, and you had to uh, Encyclopedia Metallum to do that, you know, look up a band you love, and look at what they say about a band you love and know very well, because that'll give you a barometer, because maybe the 98% album was done by a bunch of, uh, you know, um, bored keyboard warriors, you know, we're like, that's just the best thing ever, you know? <laughs> All right, Tim, what, what what do you think is the best Blind Guardian album? Oh, as, as I referenced in part one, which you can hear at wherever you get podcast them down, <laughs> the best Blind Guardian album by far is Nightfall in Middle Earth. Well, it's going to shock you to learn that on the Encyclopedia Metallium, Metallum, excuse me, the Metal Archives, out of 20 reviews, Nightfall in Middle-Earth has scored a paltry 83%. This is like when you see this album in a UCD store. You wonder, what the fuck was somebody thinking to get rid of it? How could you? Why is there ever going to be a copy of this in a UCD store? You're preaching to the mm. choir. I, I, have, I have no rebuttal. Yeah, how can you not like that album? Ugh. I'm angry now. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, can, are we allowed to say the name of the well, band? I think yeah, we are. We are, we are, because, uh, you know, Hansi left, so it's okay to discuss the Hansi name. No, left. does that make it good or, or bad? <laughs> anyway. I mean, let's, let's okay. Well, Let, hey, well okay. Before you say anything, let's, let's, let's avoid the subject. <laughs> let's avoid the subject. Let's, let's avoid... A certain subject, but let's say this. All right. Without no. Hansi Kirsch, there is no demons and wizards. There is simply demons and something else. No, right? It's, uh, or yeah, it's wizards demon, and something else. Demons and nothing. So, <laughs> so. Right, yeah. And therefore, it's perfectly fine to discuss demons and wizards because God knows we all talk about history. That's basically what the theme of these two episodes have been about. Fair. All right. <laughs> So, what is so. this song? <laughs> uh, it, it is Demons and Wizards, Tear Down the Wall, from the Demons and Wizards remaster. <laughs> so, Which, again... An- another another remaster for no reason. So, uh, this is one of the albums that I actually own on vinyl. And, and I'm guessing the vinyl you have is the remaster... Because I think it is, it, yeah. Because the vinyl of the original would be very hard to find if it even exists. I don't know if it exists. It, it does and is. So I have two copies of this album. I'm fairly certain. Actually, hold on, because it's really behind me. Hold on. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna make me vamp. You're gonna make me vamp. Uh, well, it's okay. I did. Oh some my research. gosh. No, no. Go ahead. You're All right. there. <laughs> Alright, so while he goes and retrieves the album, uh, what I looked up on Tear... uh, The song is Tear Down the Wall. I don't know if we ever said that part. Oh, we probably did. So it is part one of a trilogy along with Gallows Pole and, oh no, he left to go to a different room. 
Who knows how long this will take? So, Tear Down the Wall, Gallows Pole, and My Last Sunrise are all a trilogy. And uh, the description that was pulled off the uh, the website... Um, that Okay, so I found some kind of, um, y- you know, message board where they put up... Oh, where someone cut and pasted the description of the trilogy from some um fr- from the demons and wizards website uh which so I couldn't find the original demons and wizards website but anyway the uh the description is the three songs tell a bleak story of the fictitious character Azrael a gnome Azrael is the creator of the entire universe he becomes weary of his creation and wants to undo that which he has done so he and a companion begin a journey through the universe Azrael dissolves his creation bit by bit, including himself, and finally lets his companion return alone to create a new universe for himself. And I feel like I knew at one point Tear Down the Wall was the beginning of the trilogy, and there was a trilogy, but uh, until I read that, I was like, it's a trilogy? What? What?" (laughs) So, anyway, it looks like you didn't find it. I I uh, no, stammered I and rambled for a minute, just, and then uh, finally no, read the no, paragraph. I, I I totally trust you to do quality filler, but I did <laughs> well, find it. Well, that's where you're wrong, sir. As it happens, I've got both versions. I have the remastered edition as well as the original release on SPV Steamhammer out of Germany. Um. The remastered edition was given to me by my darling sister on my birthday. Nice. Which also happened to be her wedding day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Like, that was the specific birthday, too. It was great. You got to stay in a nice hotel, get a quality Demons and Wizards album. Yeah, everybody wins. Everybody wins. So why did you pick pick this song over the rest of... What is a, a flawless fantab- album? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, slightly higher than the adjective I was going to use. <laughs> I'll, I'll round up I, the flawless. I I can't think of anything that's wrong with it. I even to the to the bonus track that was White Room, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, that that's, yeah. that's actually I heard Demons and Wizards do the White Room before I heard Cream do the White Room. And, uh, oh really? Yeah, and it's uh, I I really like it. It's it's very good. It's a great song, and their cover of it is immaculate. So, I guess for the few of you who don't know, slash, because I assume we have you know one or two listeners, Demons and Wizards is what got me into the offshoot of metal, like beyond. Metallica and System of Down and Iron Maiden and like what you hear on the radio, right? And I have Tower Records to thank for this again. I saw this album in the store one day, looked at the cover, thought this is some shit I need to find out about. And listened to that same afternoon and every single song on the album was just a revelation in terms of you know, what you can do with atmosphere and mood and metal style. 
I always feel like this album is perfect for Halloween, like the month of October. There is something inherently spooky about this record and John and Hansi's interplay with each other that has this kind of eerie tonality that I think is spread across the album. But specifically with this one, I picked it because it's got something in, in common with the Vintersorg track that I also chose, which is that there is a big increase in tempo that happens, again, about two-thirds of the way through the song. And that, it, you know, when I first heard it, it took me by surprise, and it's so well executed, and the intensity builds so much during that moment of accelerando that it left a huge impression on me. And to this day, when I listen to the Demon's Wizard's self-titled record, this is the song I get excited when it starts. Because I know that's coming. And it's it's just my favorite moment on one of my favorite albums that I've ever heard. And the real reason... That, and and let, me, let me put it this way. Tim, I don't know if you ever did this, but when I was first getting into the scene, I would look at the thanks list of the albums that I had enjoyed I did and not see who they were thanking. I did not. Oh, no? So, like, the various bands would thank assorted other bands. Because they toured with them or like were in the same rehearsal space or did studio work with them or whatever. That's, How that's did they good, go? That's a good pre internet yeah. strategy. It is. Right. Because this was kind of pre internet, at least as far as metal being on the internet was concerned. So it's like if I got an Emperor record that I liked and it's like thanks to the guys in Mayhem and Dissection and et cetera. Again, please don't at me because I'm generalizing to prove a point. (laughs) I would then go buy those albums. So when I was reading the Demons and Wizards thanks, and take a look at the album if you have it, because it does say this. Thanks to the Iced Guardian and Blind Earth families. I can't find the new Iced Guardian CD. Damn it. Uh... (laughs) It's right there. Go look at the liner notes. So I was looking at this and I'm like, wait a second. Is this a joke? I'd better just buy a Blind Guardian and an Iced Earth album to be sure. So I got Nightfall in Middle Earth and Night of the Storm Rider. Oh, and yes. from there on, my path was set, chosen or otherwise. Ah, uh, see and what you did there. And when I look back on buying this Demons and Wizards album and seeing where it's brought me, this is the song that still brings me that kind of like goose flesh, chill up your spine excitement every single time. Awesome. Yeah, I I have nothing to add. I love this album and this song. I I remember... Uh, I let Greg borrow the album and um, he had it for like months and he knew the album backwards and forwards before I did and he had borrowed my <laughs> copy so Greg is the uh, the 
founding guitarist, the other founding guitarist of Burning Shadows. Um, so, um, yeah, but he, uh, yeah, and when I got it back, I, you know, listened to it pretty much nonstop. I, I didn't miss the album because I guess I wasn't familiar enough with it. And I can't, so I can't find a source to corroborate this, but I'm pretty sure the guy who did the cover artwork is the same guy who did the Corn album's cover artwork. And I fucking hate Corn, but just, yeah, uh, I think it was Follow the Leader. Yeah, Follow, or, um, no, but Follow the Leader. Yeah, so. I was a little, a little, rest in peace, Alexi Laiho, Follow the Reaper. But yes. I can't hair. I can't hair flip with headphones. So, I also can't play guitar like Alexi, with or without headphones on. So. Yeah, the only thing I can do like Alexi is paint my nails like he did. I'd probably screw that up too. <laughs> it's like you go up to the knuckle. But yeah, right? follow the leader. I believe this. I believe it, Tim, because it's a very similar thing, right? Uh, Delicate line drawings that are then embellished by digital color. Yeah, so it, it's got a lot of the the hallmarks of an artist to so bear similarity. If anyone can prove or disprove that, you know, comment or email or what you know, how however you can contact us, contact. Send us, us your angriest email at <laughs> contact at burningshadows.com.net. <laughs> All right, so the last uh, song on this playlist, which, by the way, we have been talking about the playlist oh, longer wow. than the actual playlist is, so <laughs> that's... I, I'm not sure if that's an accomplishment. I thought that was the idea. Well, whatever. Content is, is king. <laughs> so the last track, you want to talk about it? That was a question. It didn't sound like wow. a question, but it was. You want to talk about it? Last track. You want to talk about it, duh? <laughs> you want to talk about so, it? Talk about it. I do want to talk about it because this was my first accepted submission of a song to Burning Shadows. And what song is it? And it's called Day of Darkness. It's on the album Truth and Legend. Available through all major Bandcamp realtors, retailers. Please get it off Bandcamp. That's the best way to support us. But, you know, if, uh, if you have to listen to it on Spotify, you know, go ahead and put it on repeat for 300 times or so. <laughs> but anyway, or listen, Spotify to, is great. listen and to Day of Darkness in this playlist, because that helps too. It does. And I don't have a ton to say about it. Um, it is a song that I wrote when I was reading a book whose title, of course, escapes my memory at the moment, about the history of the Crusades and the uh, the founding of the Order of the Knights Templar. And there is this wild conspiracy theory in this book that is not like promulgated, so to speak, but at least addressed that the Templars that were able to survive the uh, massacre of 1307 when they were put to death by papal forces took to the seas and became pirates. 
And I just find this notion infinitely appealing. And if we go back to the beginning of our podcast episode tonight, uh, we'll remember that Running Wild has got a special place in my heart, a special, you know, safe harbor, as it were, a standing berth. And I just, I just love the notion that these, you know, zealous Christian warrior bankers became pirates. So Day of Darkness was kind of a wild little uh, exploration of that kind of idea. I also have to say that Amonamarth influenced me a great deal with this song. Um, Runes Carved to My Memory is one of my favorite Amonamarth songs. And Tim, I wrote this, I guess, in 2007, which was after we came back from Germany and Amonamarth played in Wacken that year. It just put on an amazing show and played that song. And I think I had it in my head all that summer and then wrote this song um, that following that following autumn. Interestingly enough, when you listen to this song, the lyrics were meant to be sung in harsh vocals. So Tom, our singer, came up with this melody basically out of whole cloth and decided how to put it into more burning shadows appropriate, you know, aesthetic. Yeah, it was like it was yeah. like here's the music and here's the lyrics. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And he did a really good job with it. He did an amazing job. I've always kind of wondered what it would sound like if this covered this song were covered by Eisen. Quite honestly. I Having Nick sing it with like the harsh vocals that I originally en- envisioned. And admittedly, what I originally envisioned was a large ripoff of what Amonamarth was doing with Runes Carved to My Memory. Well, but I that it could probably be done because there's a lot of uh, lead guitars in the, I, this is a different episode. Oh, I could reorchestrate it easily. Right. Well, this is a different episode, but when what? I how to make Eisenmore play Burning how, Shadows covers? Yeah, how to how to Eisenmoreify a song is uh or or like an existing song. Yes. Is um Yeah. You know, there are certain types of songs that lend themselves well to it, and this would be one of them, I think. So, yeah, that would be very interesting. That's that's some uh that's some Patreon content. <laughs> so yeah, you're going to need to pay to see that. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, the this song, uh, you know, when we were playing it and recording it and trying to figure out where it fit on the album, there was no question to me at any point whether where this song should be. It is the album opener because it is that good. It hits that hard uh, with the acoustic intro and then the whole band comes in and then just the journey the song takes you on is is it's a fantastic way to open an album and that's why it is track number one on truth and legend and then you know after that you're off to the races yeah and if i can just make kind of a self-correction there or at least a clarification it's dungeon fire and sword the Knights Templar in the Crusades by John J. Robinson. That was the book that inspired this. Um, similar, Tim, to what was it under Jolly Roger that you had the uh, kind of like scholarly oh, yeah, yep, yep. exploration of pirate life? 
it's very much like that, except about the Crusades and the life of what a Knights Templar would have been, you know, in 1095 and onwards. So there, there is a little more information in the song in the lyric video. So we chose this to do a lyric video on, and um, four on. What preposition do I need here <laughs> for the lyric video for day of? For the which to do a lyric video, we selected this one. There you go. So this this grammar minute has been brought to you by dictionary.com. I'll I'll send them a bill. So, so, uh, so Day of Darkness, the lyric video, actually has a lot of the story between all the lyrics. And uh, the uh, background for the lyric video is a lot of the artwork depicting uh, various crusades. And I, I'm pretty sure we kept it pretty close to the subject of the song. But yeah, uh, if you haven't checked out that lyric video, it's uh, it's a... Uh, it's atypical. It's not just the lyrics to the song, like most of them. You get the background and the uh, story behind the song between the lyrics, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's what we call value-added content. <laughs> There's that phrase again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, that is the entire playlist, I think. That about wraps it up. Did you have any closing thoughts other than go listen to this playlist and support Burning Shadows? I would say go support Burning Shadows and then listen to this playlist. Yeah, that's and also, a better order. That is a better order. <laughs> let, let me know if you'd like some more recommendations. If anything on here grabs you, reach out to me. I'm available through all of the DMs. So if you need me to tell you what other albums you want to listen to, I'm happy to do that. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, hanging out, Dave. I can't wait to do the second version of this, oh, where yeah. we get more in-depth with the various genres that we like. Yeah. And force people to listen to the tracks that we'd be playing at a party if we could party during this era of corona. What kind of party are you really going to play Solo Fall at? <laughs> mm, that's a very good point. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just call it a gathering, then. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, see you next time. Farewell. You can find Burning Shadows, Eisenmore, and recently vacated breaks on Bandcamp, as well as Facebook, along with Fade the Black Metallica Tribute, and Podcast Them Down itself. Until next time, keep it metal.